Hey guys, it's Nikki here, and I would like to formally welcome you to the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. Just to give you a little bit of a background before I get into it, I've been writing on the subject of anxiety for the past three years and, and working with individuals um, through different coaching programs, etc. And as much as I love to write, it's impossible to keep up with the pace of my brain, not that I have any special brain, but just to kind of keep up with um, the pace of thoughts and little nuggets of wisdom that, that I pick up from conversations and that I believe are worth sharing with people. Um, so obviously, most people are doing these podcasting things these days, and I thought to myself, let's just give it a go and see how it goes. This is the first episode. I don't expect it to be great. I don't expect myself to agonize over it with editing and all that. I, I really want the flow of this podcast to be as natural as possible. That might sound lazy and to an extent it is, but also I, I believe natural conversations are the best to listen to. And once I have a few of them underway, when I get into the interviewing stage of this, then everything should fall flow nicely, excuse me, and it will be a lot more entertaining that way. Uh, and I do want it to be entertaining. I know talking to a microphone on my own for the very first time is not entertaining, but, but here goes. What I hope you're going to get out of it is, is a lot of tips and tools from, you know, hopefully some from myself, but also from other people that work in health and wellness and, and have done a lot of research and study and, and have all the, the accolades and awards and everything and, you know, to their name with invaluable information just waiting to be handed out. And on top of that, you know, the process is obviously I want to interview them, but I also want to have, you know, raw, honest conversations with people that have that don't necessarily have an agenda. They're not coming on here to promote their their Instagram or their business or anything like that, but have suffered greatly with anxiety and then have managed to figure it out for themselves. Because, you know, I call it the no bullshit anxiety talk show because I believe there's so much bullshit out there. Like, I can't claim that I have the cure for anxiety for you because the reality is I don't know your circumstances. If I got to talk to you and got a better understanding and a deeper knowledge of what you've been through in life, then I'd be able to analyze the situation and better guide you. But unless I can do that, you know, I can't, we can't make claims like that. It's just ridiculous. Some people have been suffering with anxiety for 20, 30 years. Others have had a panic attack and have been suffering with anxiety for two, three months. And, you know, they're vastly different in how you go about treating them. But at the core of all this, I believe there's five fundamentals that you must grasp. And when you grasp them, you're, you put yourself in a position to drastically improve your relationship with anxiety and I say relationship because I believe we have to have a relationship with anxiety most of us just want anxiety knocked out of our life for good we want nothing to do with it and you know that's fair enough I certainly was that way for about uh, 
13 years. But it, it got me nowhere. I, I, I was fighting a losing battle. And the fundamentals I speak of are, are outlined in detail in a free micro course, which you can access um, in the show notes or whatever we're calling them these days. But basically, they are understanding acceptance, managing expectations, patience, and awareness. And I think, you know, if you don't understand what's going on with your anxiety or why your body is reacting this way and, and you know, what's going on on a biological and a physiological level, if you don't know that it's actually anxiety, and I assume you are because you're here, but if you don't know that, that can terrorize your mind. It took me over five years to understand what anxiety was and to actually realize that, you know, I was suffering from a panic and anxiety disorder, even though I'd been prescribed uh, antidepressants long before then. Acceptance is, is absolutely paramount to recovery. Without acceptance, you're just going, you're, the opposite to acceptance is in den denial. So if you're in denial, you're just denying something that exists. And the more you deny it, the harder you try to deny it, the more it's gonna persist. So you, you have to accept that anxiety is a part of your life and some changes need to be made. When you accept that, you can send yourself on a catalyst to, to far less anxiety in your life. Managing expectations is really important too. I, going back to what I said earlier, you know, there's so much bullshit out there and this is copywriting people have to write what sells but and I get that when it comes to selling a pair of socks or something like that but when you're dealing with mental health it really does kind of piss me off and rubs me up the wrong way a little bit because you know if I if I tell you I have a 100% cure for anxiety and I, and like I come with all the guarantees and just say just buy it now you're going to expect that cure to just happen magically. And that is just not the way it works with anxiety. You have to put in work. There has to be action. It's, it's, the onus is on you. And once you accept that reality, again, you can change your life. The fourth one is patience. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, Improvements can happen overnight after a conversation for sure. Drastic improvements at some stage. But depending on your circumstances, if this is something you've been dealing with for an awful long time, then you can't expect your anxiety to just disappear. You know, I don't know about you, but when, when I was at my worst, anxiety crushed my confidence to a place where I had to build it back up from less than zero. So it takes time. Don't beat up on yourself. Show yourself compassion, and in time you're going to you're going to thank yourself for it. And the final one is is awareness, and this is like the holy grail. It's just being aware of your behavior, being aware of your environment. What brings on anxiety in your life? What action can you take to dismiss anxiety or to offer yourself some relief from anxiety? And sometimes just accepting that, okay, there's something that's going to cause me anxiety. I'm going to experience it. It's okay. I'm just going to work with it. And I'm going to use it to fuel me. 
So they are the, the five fundamentals that I believe, I know from working with anyone I've worked with, and I know from my own experience that these fundamentals have to align before you can really do the work to get to the core of your anxiety. And there's a lot of, uh, how do I say it without being offensive? There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of avoidance. And, you know, yoga, meditation, eating really healthy, a lot of the time that that is avoidance and I partake in a little bit of avoidance myself you know I'm not judging for it but that's just the reality and, and what we do when we when we avoid the reality or we avoid the the root cause of our anxiety we're just shrinking our comfort zone and that is what's causing us so much anguish so when you actually decide definitively okay I'm going to explore the root cause of my anxiety I'm going to address it I'm going to do some work around that then you can experience massive freedom and as scary as it can be starting out um, you know the results are so worth it because you, you get your life back um, so just keep that in mind anytime when you're kind of doing an analysis on your anxiety there's 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 so much to it, it's so complex, but it's really quite simple. And if you're prepared to do the work, you can really drastically improve, improve your life. And as this podcast evolves, you're gonna learn all sorts of different ways to do this that have worked for other people and you simply apply them and see if they work for you. I know what worked for me, I'll share it. And um, we'll bring on others and they'll share what worked for them. So why me? You know, what is my story? What puts me in a position where I even want to kind of do this work in the first place? And you should know it's all an accident. I, you know, I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would plan out a career this way. They would say to themselves, oh, I want to help people with anxiety that's what I want to do for a living because to be in that position you've you've had to deal with some shit in your life that you most likely didn't want to deal with and that's that's exactly what happened with me I I was fucked up for you know 13 years almost and and I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say that even though like sometimes I think to myself Jesus are you exaggerating there Nikki were you really fucked up for 13 years? And yeah, I mean, honestly, I was. Obviously, I wasn't fucked up for every day, every second of that. But for the vast majority of that time, I was in a really bad mental state. And the first five years of it were hell. And my way of managing it was through alcohol predominantly and just getting fucked up because I couldn't deal with the, the headaches. It was, it was the physical symptoms for me and, and that kind of like that manifestation of your brain just being like utterly confused and stressed out. It just caused me the worst headaches and the only way I could deal with them was with alcohol. So I'm going to take you back. I'm not going to reverse the clock too much today although it is 17 years and going back now because i'm getting old but i'm going to take you back to when i had my first panic attack and 
as we will discuss in in future episodes then i'm going to bring you back to childhood because childhood plays a really important factor in anxiety but i don't want to touch on that today i just want to give you an understanding of of who i am and why i why i'm motivated by this so it all goes back to my first year in college so i got to take you back to when i was in first year in college and um i accidentally fell in love and stumbled into my first serious relationship which i was great at avoiding up until that point and every, everything was great we came to the summer she was going to EOS in the Greek islands with the girls and I was going to America to a place called Ocean City in Maryland with the lads and we were just going to to party for the summer and do a little bit of work and cause as much trouble as we possibly could. So we decided we we decided to stay together and and that was cool. I mean it was upsetting at the time but you know fuck it what are you going to do? and the 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 tension kind of began to rise and you know i could tell things weren't right when we were on the phone this is going back before and i'm not sure if there were mobile there were mobiles then but we weren't really calling each other off mobiles but anyway that is irrelevant so basically what happened is she broke up with me and i wasn't very happy about this so i continued on and that was kind of like the first turbulence i experienced in life i felt like really shit and i continued on just getting drunk and smoking weed and and having fun but this was this was on my mind pretty consistently and then it was results time and we were all waiting for our results and of course i knew i was going to fail because i i rarely went into any lectures i don't like i just I was goofing off the whole time and I'm not great at exams anyway so if I wasn't there I wasn't passing and I failed something like three and that meant I had to go back to Dublin and uh, go home and, and repeat those three exams. I also had to repeat a law assignment which was pretty annoying so I was I was home for two months or no sorry two weeks and you know I'd I knew I was very aware of how much fun she was having out in Greece. I was very aware of how much fun my friends were still having out in America, and I was very aware of how much more miserable I was being at home trying to learn all the shit I had no interest in and complete an assignment. So finally <laughs> the exams were done and just before I went to the airport, literally an hour before I was flying out to the airport, I got a phone call off my lecturer who I don't think I had ever even spoken to before and she informed me she was giving me a zero for plagiarism. Now, honestly, I know this sounds stupid, but I didn't have a clue what plagiarism was at the time. Uh I obviously missed that lecture and you know she explained to me i hadn't referenced shit and i was here going all right even though i thought i did but um 
she said, you know, in an effort to be nice, that she would give me five days to to do a new assignment. And and at that stage, I was here going, you know, I'm not taking another five days of this misery. I am out of here. And so I hung up the phone and and I went downstairs and my mum drove me to the airport. I didn't even mention to my mum that what that phone call was about. And I hopped on the plane back to back to New York and I met some friends in New York and we hopped on a bus to Ocean City and normal service resumed. I was back having fun. I was partying. I was being carefree. You know, life was great. And what's what's really weird about this is I'm going to bring you up to, you know, that day where my life changed forever. But what's really weird is when I look back now, even though that was at the time most one of the most traumatic experiences I ever had. I mean, like I was heartbroken um, whatever way you want to chop, but that's what was going on. But I was still having fun. I was still enjoying my life. When I look back, I have nothing but fond memories of that time, even though I know that, you know, I, I had this kind of agony in my gut most of the time. And that's that's the funny thing about panic. It's it just, it really kind of fucking ruins you. So we got back to to school, to college, to university, whatever you want to call it. And we were all in the same group of friends. We all went to school together. So we were all living in apartments not too far from each other. So it was inevitable that we were going to bump into each other in the very near future. And I, you know, I can still remember the day she came in. I, I was here going, oh, fuck, I don't know. I, you know, and we were just, it was a Saturday morning. We'd been out the night before. We were still drinking and, and smoking a bit of weed. And I was just like, just, just ignoring the fact that there were visitors in the house and you know eventually the text message came and then we were out and we got drunk and you know long story short we ended up getting back together but there was you know it was never going to be the same again um there was trust was lost now and i you know i i I was i was caught between a rock and a hard place because this girl i really cared for her but at the same time i felt like she didn't care for me anymore or something like that and I didn't know what was going on and I had no I had no backbone to communicate this I was never I was never really good at any of that shit I I, I don't think I'm great at it any still but I'm a lot better than I used to and um you know this this weighed heavily on my mind and it was evident in the way the relationship was going there was a lot of there was a lot of turmoil and it was just it was it it was just different and it sucked and i wasn't happy about it at all and you know that's just the way it was so one evening we were in a friend's house and we were over in the girl's house and there was a group of us and we were all it was a standard evening really we were all smoking weed and myself and a friend emmett cranked it up a notch and we made this big two liter waterfall bong and um started going at that and and really this is the i was in complete avoidance now i was just here going i'm just going to get messed up because I, i can't deal with the thoughts in my head or i can't have a conversation i don't know how to fix this i you know like it was just shit so i'm just gonna inhale a two liter water fall bong about three or four times in a row and whatever happens happens 
And so that's what myself and Emmett did. And at the start, it was great. You know, the giggles kicked in big time. We were completely on a different planet. And he was just chasing me around the house. And I was like, I used to, I used to get the giggles so bad. I mean, I was terrible. I just couldn't stop laughing. Obviously, I love this, but it can come to a point where you think your head is about to explode. You're laughing so much. And Emmett was just re resilient, or I don't know. He was just kept chasing me around the house. And I just couldn't stop laughing. And eventually, kind of gave up. And the laughter subsided. And we went back into the living room and sat down on the couch and that's when I felt like all eyes were on me, judging me, even though it was just completely, um, you know, a, frig a figment of my imagination. And I, I felt my my girlfriend was like really had these piercing eyes at me. And even, that, you know, again, this was my imagination, but I started to become really paranoid, like, <laughs> like really paranoid. So I was here going, shit, what's going on? I, I never really, I've, I've been paranoid before from smoking weed, but not on this kind of level. But I, I felt like if I could just get away for a minute, I could get it under control and then, you know, probably just head off home. So I went into the bathroom just to go to the toilet and, you know, I was trying to take a piss, but I, I just couldn't. Nothing was working and, and all of a sudden, like everything was numb. I couldn't even feel my Mickey. So I was freaking out in the bathroom big time i don't know if you've ever watched in betweeners season three episode three i think where where will eats way too much hash and completely freaks out and, and loses control every over everything it was kind of like that and when i watched that episode years later i've never you know i never laughed so hard because i was here going oh my jesus that's what i experienced and he ended up going off in the ambulance well I didn't quite end up going off in, an in the ambulance, but I really did have a proper freak out in there. And then there was no way out. If there was a window out of that bathroom, I would have jumped out of it, but it didn't exist. So I had to go back out the door through the room where everybody was hanging out. And there was about eight people in there. And I just, I just couldn't face them. Like I was having a full-blown panic attack. But again, I didn't know what a panic attack was. I knew I was panicking and I had to do something about it. So I decided basically I'm just going to run out of the house. And that's what I did. I didn't say a word to anyone. I, I couldn't make eye contact with anyone or my head would have exploded. So I just like just went straight through the living room and ran out of the house like gone. And of course, when I when I was on the road, I was here going, shit, I, I forgot my phone. And it was one of those little Nokia 3310s. But I was really concerned that I'd have to, you know, call one of my mates for help because, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. And then I marched back up the steps and, and rang the doorbell. And two seconds later, I was just here going, fuck this. And I legged it. I mean, I took off like a bat out of hell down the street. So essentially what I did is I played knock a dolly on all my best friends because I was paranoid because I'd smoked too much weed. And what happened next was, you know, way worse. And I was expecting it to be way better. You know, my expectations were, okay, I'm away from all sudden danger. I can just kind of get home, chill out, snack, maybe smoke another joint and just watch a movie and, you know, um, get my shit back together and, uh, and figure it all out the next day. 
But as I was walking down the road, you know, I, I felt this constant urge to piss. Like I was convinced I was going to piss my pants. And it wouldn't go away, like to the point where I actually thought I was pissing my pants. Now I know this is this is not a standard panic attack, right? There's, it's it's you know it's a panic attack combined, but with being really stoned. And I so I'm patting down my pants, and I'm here going, no, no, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, I'm convinced blood is coming from my fucking ears. So now I'm proper shit myself. Whatever about pissing in my pants, I cannot handle blood trickling down my ears. And I'm just like patting my, you know, I'm trying to contain the blood within my skull and holding my ears and patting myself down to make sure I'm not pissing myself every second. And this goes on like for, I'm about a kilometer walk down the road. This goes on the whole way. And I'm, I'm, ju I'm freaking out like, my God, I was freaking out like you wouldn't believe. If someone captured that in a camera phone, they would have like... They would have scored big um, on YouTube. So anyway, I managed to make it home alive and I got into the bathroom and I was just there like, just checking myself out, right? So I, I, I could, it was dark outside. I could tell now that I, I absolutely 100% have not pissed myself unless I've, you know, come up with some new type of piss that doesn't wet, wet your pants. And I could tell there was no blood on me. There was no blood in my ears. I was just like looking at this kid that was unbelievably freaked out and and I and I was so I, I can't put it into words you have to have experienced a like really horrible panic attack to understand this and you know that's one of the things um, maybe people will listen to this and, and start to understand just how horrific panic and anxiety is but I, I can't put into words just how terrified I was. I was lying in bed just shaking and I, there was no getting any rest. There was no, you know, taking my mind off it or anything like that. And eventually my mate came back who I shared the apartment with and, and he came in. I didn't have a phone, remember. And he said, he, just, he was just coming in to actually pick up some hash to bring to the other girl's house. And I was here going... Miguel, you're not going anywhere. I am freaking out. And, and he saw it in my face. And to his credit, he stayed there with me. And he went out and, and he told, told the others that, you know, he was just, he wasn't, he wasn't coming. He was going to take care of me. And, and thank God that he did. So the rest of that night was the same. I didn't sleep a wink. I was completely traumatized the next morning as well. Um, not convinced I was going to die anymore but still really really traumatized and it didn't go away um I had a headache for five years after that 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 was the symptom for me that headache didn't go away I didn't know anything about anxiety or panic for five years and I became incredibly anxious after it and there were a few relapses on the panic attack so i i didn't give up weed immediately <clears throat> i tried to still smoke it from time to time and there were a few times where it absolutely had the same effect and i completely freaked out and eventually i was just here going oh shit you know i i, I can't smoke this anymore and that was really that was quite upsetting to me too because honestly i really enjoyed it but not for the, it, it, it wasn't worth um, 
those panic attacks and that anxiety. But the panic attacks and anxiety didn't go. The next, you know, I kept, my dad's a doctor and I was here going like, because, because the headaches were so prominent, I was convinced I had a tumor or something. And I, you know, I was telling him and I was complaining and then I, I, I'd be here going, no, you got to get me an MRI. And I had all these tests done and they kept telling me there's nothing wrong with me. And of course there was something wrong with me. And every time I'd have a test, you know, I remember I, I saw some head specialist, I can't remember his name. And he, he was here, he asked me, did I smoke? And I was here going, yes, I do smoke. And he goes, you drink here, just stop smoking and eat a little healthier and it'll go away. So I stopped smoking for about three months and it didn't go away, it didn't budge. Everything was just getting worse because I was becoming more and more paranoid and, and certain that there was something wrong with me. But now I was really scared that they, they couldn't find it, they couldn't identify it. So I was here going, you know, it's there's something wrong with your machines, you're not doing your job as doctors, blah, blah, blah. There's absolutely something wrong with me. Check me again, so I have another MRI nothing wrong with me and and honestly <coughs> I w you know it, it sounds weird to say this but I was looking for some sort of diagnosis yeah, because then I know right if I if they find a tumor in there I fight it and I win or I lose but at least I know what I'm fighting when you, when you don't know when you have no clue what's going on and you feel that bad and your life is that turned upside down it's absolutely horrific and that's why understanding is one of the the first fundamentals i speak about so anyway you know five years go by college life I, i'm i'm you know to study for my exams i'm tying ties around my head i cannot concentrate on the weekends i'm getting drunk it's like not that that's unusual but i was getting really drunk to just get rid of the headache i was i was paranoid going into a bar to meet all these you know my friends that i'd grown up with i was never had social anxiety around them they were my best friends and all of a sudden i was scared shitless going into a bar to meet them um you know i was terrified of talking with i was popular in college but then i was terrified of talking to new people and oh, it was just horrible and it, w it wasn't until five years into it, I, like, you know, and, and I really can't emphasize this much, that headache did not go away for five years. I was in, in um, the Greek islands one summer and I would drink nearly a bottle of vodka in the evening before I'd feel comfortable talking to people. That sounds crazy. It's hard for me to even believe that. But that, that, that was the reality. I was... I was having panic attacks all the time and of course the way I was dealing with, dealing with it was actually just making it way worse when I shouldn't have gone away at all I should have like but I didn't know what was wrong with me and at that stage so so fast forward five years at that stage I was it wasn't cool to be in the self-help section back then you know it was like I was creeping around in there but I I've been I've become a regular and I I stumbled across this book called when panic attacks it's by an irish doctor and i read the back of it and i was just here going oh eureka holy shit that's exactly what's wrong with me 
So it was only five years after my first panic attack that I knew, okay, I've got a panic disorder and I've got an anxiety disorder and now all their friends have jumped in and, and joined the party. I'm suffering with depression. I'd speak into so many counselors, psychologists, every sort of, you know, hypnosis, the whole lot. I've been to them all, like massage therapists. I'd, I'd done it all because I was in so much pain and nothing nothing was helping and i think that picking up and reading that book was the first major moment in me getting my life back because because it gave me something constructive to to work with you know i knew i'd read this and um it explained to me what was going on it's still i still had to figure out how to properly manage it and address it and it took me a further Honestly, th seven, seven, eight years after that to, to really get hold of it. And, you know, that, that's a long time. So if, I guess if you're wondering where my motivation is coming from, it's there it is. That, that's why I do this stuff. It's not because I love what I do or anything like that. You know, I'm passionate about it, but it's it's a warped kind of passion, and it's it's all based on accidental circumstances. And I've learned a lot. And I came up, you know, one of my goals this year is to. F I wrote a ninety thousand word book, you know, three years ago now called "Panic: The Mother of All Fuckers," and then I put it down, and I haven't picked it up still since. And one of my goals this year is to to kind of spread the word and help as many people as possible through this podcast uh, and, a, and a personal goal is to to finish that book because it always kind of annoyed me that i i just i could never relate to the shit i was reading it was all too scientific um and i like a little bit of humor and i like a little bit of swearing and and back then i know it's you know, it, it's trendy now to swear. Um, and I think that that's backfired on me, but it's because everybody's doing it now. But I actually came up the, with the, whether you believe it or not, I came up with the t title for this book about 10 years ago. I just didn't know how to fuck to write it because I didn't know how to deal with it or how to handle it. Um, that's what I've learned. And I've learned that through countless books, courses, taking action, journaling understanding myself you know doing some t a lot of tony robbins work uh, understanding nlp understanding how the mind works understanding cbt all this kind of plays into it and you know once i was able to figure that out over time i realized i you know a lot of other people are suffering with this stuff and when i have conversations with them it it, it became i wouldn't say easy but it, it's it started to become much easier for me to to help guide them to much less anxiety and as a result to a way better life so yeah i don't want to bore you too long this time the next time that's i just wanted to give you an overview that's why i'm doing it that that's where the motivation comes from as warped as it all is i know it's fucking it's it's not exactly a fun topic but i think it's important to address and i think I think I could get some really cool guests on and have some really cool deep conversations that will 
give you the listener a lot of um inspiration to to get out there and to not let your life to be dictated by anxiety to ultimately accept it and work regardless and start living your best life regardless because that is the biggest fuck you you can give to your anxiety that's what i've been doing it's been working for me i'm not going to tell you that i don't ever struggle with anxiety i do have my days if i misbehave myself anxiety is going to let me know um and sometimes i overwork myself and i get anxious i'm human we're all human if you can accept this and forgive yourself you'll have a much better life as a result and i guess that's the ultimate purpose of the podcast and i'm going to shut up now because i really don't know what the fuck i'm talking about at the moment but i hope you will tune in for the next episode i hope you enjoyed it if you if you are interested and you want to come around come along for the ride please do subscribe in itunes i guess if you leave a review it really helps and you know i know this this is not this is not a fun topic it's not like a really shareable topic but if you do know someone that's struggling with anxiety i don't necessarily ask of you to post this on facebook because a lot of people you know there's still a stigma attached to that but if you do know someone that this might help and you know the words will resonate best with them then please do just just tell them and let them listen and figure it out for themselves. So thank you for listening and I am signing off. We will speak to you soon. Bye.